Hey, you're listening to Pueblo's Health, a podcast by the Pueblo Department of Public Health and Environment. I'm your host, Tristan Garcia, communications specialist here at PDPH&E, and I'm so glad you've taken the time out to learn more about public health in your community, the one-stop shop for all things public health right here on Pueblo's Health. And we're rolling in to springtime. Happy second day of spring to those of you who are listening, and happy day to Scott and Caitlin both joining us today in studio to talk about Rabies, what an exciting topic. Caitlin, Scott, how are you both? Thanks for joining me. Uh, well, good. Thank you for having me. Yep, I'm doing great. Thanks yeah, for having us. I, I'm excited, Scott. We started this conversation out of the podcast studio a couple of weeks ago, and this is something that a lot of people hear, the word rabies, they don't know a whole lot about, but you're kind of a pro on it. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about rabies, what it is. Yeah, so um, one of the things, one of the programs that we have here at the health department is our zoonotic program, which is... To put it in plain language, it's just a, a program where we look at the diseases that animals can give to people. And of the diseases we look at, rabies is the one that we're really the most concerned about. Rabies is a disease that is really 100% fatal for, for mammals. And so that includes people, it includes our pets. Um, and so we're really focused on uh, trying to prevent people and their animals from getting infected with rabies. And so we want. We thought this would be a good way to kind of to get that word out. Now I want to ask you that the first impression a lot of people get when it comes to rabies is like this vicious animal that's attacking you with bloodshot eyes and foaming mouth. Is that the reality? I'll ask either of you. Is that really what rabies looks like in the wild? Um, there are a natural aggression. You will see a natural aggression with most rabbit animals, but I have never seen a rabbit animal actually foaming at the mouth. Mm, okay. All right. No, I, I actually got to unfortunately witness a, a rabbit skunk in my neighborhood last year or the year before, I guess it was. And um, the animal, by the time uh, I was out walking my dog and there was just a skunk lying on the ground, really in its, the last stages of its life, unfortunately. And it was just, it was just a very sick animal. Mm. It was, Really to the point where it was, it was it wasn't moving, it wasn't aggressive. It was just it was just very very sick. Yeah. So part of it, I'm sure, that makes your job more difficult is overcoming that idea that Hollywood has made rabies this cujo like animal that's going to come charging at you, and you got to make sure you've got your shot. But the essence of it is still the same. If you get infected with rabies, it's a really tough time. And Caitlin, I know this is work you do daily. Uh, how do you actually identify if, if an animal is rabid or if, if you've got to get tested for that? Um, usually there are a lot, there's some key signs. First, I'll ask about the story, just about what happened. Um, normally, the major signs I'm looking for are unusual behavior right mm. off the bat. If a skunk is out in broad daylight, and attacking a dog or somebody in broad daylight. That's an immediate... Red flag. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, I'm going to look for general lethargy, general signs of sickness. They're not moving a lot. Um, they're walking around in circles, or they um, they just look really sick. Mm -hmm. Not a good time for the animal that absolutely is rabid. Not. Uh, you've heard or you've said the word skunk a couple of times, are skunks the biggest carrier of rabies or just one of? What's the deal there? So there are multiple different variants of the rabies virus here in Colorado. We're predominantly worried about the bat variant and mm. the skunk variant. Okay. Um, 
east of the Mississippi, you'd see raccoon bearing it oh. more often. Gotcha. Trash pandas carrying the rabies around. <laughs> but not here in P-Town. We're wanting to stay away from skunks, which also, let me just pause here. I had an irrational fear of skunks growing up. I don't know if either of you had this as well, but like every cartoon growing up, if you got sprayed by a skunk, you had to take either an oatmeal or a tomato sauce bath. I know that's not the topic we're talking about, but I think it, it formed a healthy fear of skunks. I've never wanted to see one in the public before. Yeah, I I don't want to get close to them. I, I I think skunks are really interesting animals, and I think they're um, I think it's kind of exciting to see one, but at a safe distance. I agree. I don't want to be sprayed by one. Yeah, so. <laughs> definitely don't want to get bitten by one. Uh, let's talk about ways to protect ourselves, though. I know that's a, a big deal here is getting that message out early. So it's it's spring. We just celebrated the first day of spring, and already rabies could be out and about, right? We've got animals that are sure. coming up earlier than normal. This is something we just talked about off air a few seconds ago, but uh, how can you best protect yourself or your family, your pets, everything, Scott, from uh, rabies this spring and summer? So the best thing you can do um, to protect your family and your animals is to get your animals vaccinated. So rabies is a, is a mammal disease. So it's your dog and your cat that you're worried about. Um, for folks in town, if you live out in the county and you have things like horses or cattle, they could also be infected by rabies. It's not a disease of, uh, that you would have to worry about if you had birds, per se. Mm, okay. um, again, chickens or turkeys or parrot, you know, they're, they're not going to be at risk of rabies at all. But any mammal that you have is at risk. Um, companion animals, uh, the best thing you can do is get them vaccinated against rabies. Um, that's incredibly important, and there are lots of low-cost options in the community uh, that can help people people do that. Now, this is the reason I bring it up, because I may be one of a very, very small number of people, and that's only because I'm lucky enough to work with experts like the two of you that deal with this on a daily basis. It's super, super cost-effective to get a rabies vaccine for your pets so you don't deal with the bad side of things. Scott, I know this is something you've experienced before. If you've got an unvaccinated pet and they unfortunately are exposed or are uh, bitten by a, a rabid animal, what's the reality of that look like? So the reality of an unvaccinated animal, it's, it's really a tragic situation. And so if you have an animal that has either come in definite contact with a, with a rabid animal or you have an animal that is in a high-risk situation. So you have your dog or your cat, is ex you let them out at night in the backyard, there's some kind of commotion, and you catch a glimpse of either a skunk or, or a raccoon, because even though we don't have raccoon variant, again, any mammal can be infected with any kind of variant. So you could have a skunk with bat rabies, per se, mm. or a, a raccoon with bat or skunk rabies. So you see... Your dog gets in an entanglement with uh, an animal. The animal runs off. We don't have that animal available to test to see if it was rabbit. Or you, you see this with cats a lot. They'll find a, a, a bat uh, on the ground. They'll take that bat. Um, they carry it around. They're very proud of it. They show mm. it to you. You take the bat and you throw it away. Yep. And now we don't have that bat available to test. The reality is, is the recommendations um, are to consider that animal as rabid. If it's a wild animal and we don't have it available. Mm -hmm. um, and then the recommendation for an unvaccinated, unvaccinated animal, there's only two choices. Um, the first is euthanasia, mm. which is obviously a last resort option. Yeah. Um, it's not something we ever want to recommend. Right. But unfortunately, unfortunately, we have had to do that before. Oh, my goodness. 
Yeah. And the, the other option is boarding in a licensed facility. Um, and that would be, it's a 120 day quarantine total for that animal. 90 of it has to be in that facility Holy and cow. 30 could be in your home. The issue with the licensed facility is that they're very expensive. They can essentially charge whatever they want to charge. And we only, uh, we don't have any in Pueblo. So wow. the, the closest location for one is in Colorado Springs. So. Holy cow. During that 120-day quarantine, they'd also have to have rabies shots, three separate rabies shots at very specific times, um, in a very specific time span. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm just trying to comprehend. I mean, that's a that's a huge undertaking anyway at that point. But I see my dog every morning and it lights me up. I know there's a lot of people listening who have that same exact reaction with dogs, cats, any kind of animals. They've got four months away from your dog alone is enough to totally change your outlook on spring and summer. I mean, they, they make my morning every single day. So now you're you're putting them away from you for a very long time. And, yeah. and there's no guarantee that uh, that's even the safest and best option for them. So the reality of this now, Caitlin, I'll ask you, how easy is it to get a, a vaccine against rabies for an animal? It is so easy. We <laughs> have a lot of different options here in Pueblo um, to get low cost rabies vaccines are about twenty dollars wow there's some places that take walk-ins um it's by far the easiest way to ensure that your cat or dog can stay with you for a long time yeah awesome if you didn't hear it again twenty dollars super low cost easy way to protect you and your favorite companions in your animals i want to shift gears a little bit to maybe more of your day-to-day work um, caitlin and ask you about actual testing because obviously you let me know a little bit before the show that you've already had a couple of animals uh, taken into the lab for testing. How does somebody do that if they're worried, if maybe they see a, a downed animal or they find a bat, they find a skunk and it, it's passed away? How do they go about bringing it to the health department to get tested? So um, normally they would call the health department first. They'd find their way to me um, eventually down in the lab. Um, and like I said before, I kind of ask them about the situation, ask them what happened. Um, if the animal if the animal is available for testing, um, then I will either go out get it myself, or um, we contract out to to USDA wildlife specialists. They will if it's a larger animal, they'll euthanize it and then bring it in. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a bat, usually they bring it in and I euthanize it. Gotcha. Myself, um, and from there we, I will decap, uh, decapitate the animal and then prepare it to send up to state hmm. or CSU because you have to have very specific accreditations to test for rabies in a lab. So that we don't have here. So we send it out. Gotcha. So say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> don't touch the animals. Do not touch wild animals. Yeah, right. Don't do it. <laughs> Call the pros to do it. And that's the folks here at the health department. You'll get in touch with Caitlin Scott somebody here that's going to make an easier decision for you. I'm going to send you out on a curveball of a question because I thought of more rabies questions and, and and I want to let our listeners know and Scott and Caitlin maybe that you're going to be back because there's a lot of zoonotic diseases. These are animal to human diseases that happen every single year and tons that people just don't have the info about. So this is my official invitation to, to welcome you back to Pueblo's Health soon that we can talk about these things. But before you leave today, uh, I thought of a maybe a silly question, but I, I want to ask first, Caitlin, rabies aside, if you were to jump a gang of 100 bats or 100 skunks, who do you think you could take? 
The bats. Ooh, the bats. I'm taking the bats. No weapons. <laughs> Fist to cuffs. You're I'll taking on a hundred bats. I'll take the bats. Wow. All right, Scott. I, I would agree. I, I would definitely agree. I don't want the skunks are a lot larger. They have a lot bigger teeth. They spray. Um, and, you know, I, I love Batman movies. And that would yeah. kind of be like the scene in <laughs> The Dark Knight Rises, right? So that would be at least kind of cool. I've, okay. I've handled dead skunks before. I'll take the bats. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that threw me for a loop because I have a, an irrational fear of bats, too. So I'm, I'm hopefully never going to get rabies because bats and skunks are not my friends. But I, I'm so grateful for the time that both of you gave today. Uh, thank you so much. I can't wait to chat with you again in the future. And uh, thanks. Back to your regularly scheduled programming here. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for always taking the time out to learn more about public health in your community. It's the one-stop shop for all things public health right here at Pueblo's Health. Whether you're listening on Spotify, finding us on Facebook, or in your favorite place to listen to podcasts, we'll be back every single week with another great update. Today, I hope you get out and enjoy the early parts of Springs and have a wonderful rest of your day. Nailed it. <laughs>